It's on the race website. They say this is not a good choice for your first ultra because it is very technical. I, I just kept skipping that. <laughs> like, I'm not going to look at that part of it. Hello, and welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. If you're new here, I chat with a variety of women from different ages and different skill levels and just hear their story about running because everybody really does have a story. And I have had the best in the world to DFL to DNF and every single episode has been so interesting and inspiring. So I am just really excited to keep going and keep getting suggestions from guests from you guys. So thank you so much to everybody who's leaving ratings and reviews and who's reaching out on Instagram. So we just started a new Instagram for the pod stuff and that is trail running women pod on Insta. So pretty easy to find. Um, So go check that out there and we are at, what is this, episode 220 something, which is madness. Um, So there are a backlog of episodes that are shooting up on Patreon. Um, So if you'd like to relive the stories of four years ago, which are still awesome, I'm continuously putting the ones that sort of don't have space on Apple anymore up there. And you can find the link to that in the, in the, link in the Instagram bio. Sorry, I'm getting confused here. It's August. It's not. It's October. That's what I meant to say. So I'm in full fall holiday decorating Halloween type mood. And that's all I have to say about that. So today's guest is Tommy Hagen. So she was a pleasure to chat with and we talked about her first 50k that she ran on her 50th birthday at Flat Rock Fall Running Festival. So it was really fun to talk to her about how she got into running because she wasn't an athlete growing up. She wasn't a runner growing up, but she's got adult children and her neighbor just convinced her to start. Um, And the really cool part about her story is that around the same time, she found her father on Ancestry DNA and they started running together. So it was something that they could connect over, which I thought was really awesome. So we talk about her training and how the first 50K went and some big goals that she's already looking forward to. But the whole event of the race just sounded amazing. She had so much support from her kids and her kids' friends. And you could just tell that she found something she's really passionate about. So it was a really a really fun interview and I think you guys are gonna get a lot out of this. So since we chatted, I have talked to her a bit and she is definitely signing up for bigger and longer events. So I think we're gonna hear a lot more from Tommy about how she does over the next decade of running. So I'll leave that there and she can tell the rest of her story. So here's Tommy. I'm speaking with a guest today that I actually first chatted with a few months ago And we planned to chat after her first 50K, which she did for her 50th birthday. And the rest of your story actually looks pretty remarkable too. So I'm excited to get into everything today. So welcome to the show, Tommy. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, your race was just a week ago. So first and foremost, uh, congrats. And how are you feeling now? I am recovering. I'm still wearing my recovery shoes to work, which kind of violate dress code, but I figure I earned that. <laughs> but actually feeling remarkably well. So awesome. I have run, I've run a couple of times this week, so I'm getting back there. That's awesome. And you sound cheery and well-rested, so that's all very positive. <laughs> yes, yes. So what I like about your story in part is that you weren't always a runner and obviously picked it up a little bit later in life. So let's back up a bit and get an intro kind of into 
your life growing up and if you were involved in any sports or anything that in, included running? I did. I was not. So I was never very athletic. I played a few co-ed volleyball, things of that nature, a little bit of softball. But no, I used to say I don't run, not even if something's chasing me, I will just lay down and play dead. It's much safer that way. So I had no desire ever, ever to run until just a few years ago, maybe 2019-ish, 2019, 2020, I had a neighbor who ran and talked me into doing it. And she used the Galloway method, so run, walk, run. And I ended up starting with her just very slow, a mile at a time and built up. I'm now, I do customized training program through Galloway. And it was, it was just very liberating to know that I could run, but still have those walk breaks. And so that was, that was kind of my start. I ran a half marathon in, I did the Dam to Des Moines in Des Moines, Iowa, formerly Dam to Dam. And just absolutely fell in love with it at that point. And then moved on to trail, which escalated the the love affair with running, definitely escalated when I started doing trails. There is such a feeling when you are running through the woods. It is just, it's just a badass feeling. I absolutely can't get enough of it. Yes, totally. I actually was at a race a couple of weeks ago and my son was running through a trail that was like pretty technical, but he, well, he's, he just turned four. So he's pretty young, but he was kind of giggling and hopping off these rocks and like looked like a tiny little badass. And I was just like, yes, this is exactly what you feel also as an adult running, which like just, you never see somebody giggling down the road, running on the road. And my home where I live during the week, we have about three to four different good options for trail running. So I'm able during, you know, after work to just get out there and put in three or four miles and it, there's nothing better to melt the stress away. Yes, absolutely. Well said. So I want to back up a bit and talk about this neighbor because that's a pretty big transition from I would rather play dead to my neighbor convinced me in my mid forties that I should start running. So what did she do that actually changed your mind to think like, yeah, this will be something I do. You know, we started, we were working out together with a personal trainer. Um, And the interesting thing is this neighbor has since moved on. And I I literally never, never talked to her anymore. And I don't even know that she's still running. But I, I think I was just at a point where I was looking for something new and a little bit different. And yeah, went. I mean, the first couple of times it was just on a whim. I kind of, I had a turning point a couple of years ago, the summer before this past one, I was camping with my kids and my children are all grown. Obviously I'm 50, but I said, I have a five mile run in the morning. And they said, well, you don't have to run. We're on, you know, we're on a trip. And I said, I I don't have to, but I want to. And that really resonated with me that I'm doing this because I want to, not because yes, coach has it on my schedule and I'm a compliance officer in my day job, so I definitely follow whatever he's going to do it. And so that was another one of those moments where I realized that I'm doing this because it brings me joy and I like to do it. So how old are your kids now? 
they are my youngest just turned 25. And then I have a 27 year old son and a 29 year old daughter, so 30 year old. I'm sorry. I missed her 30. Yes. What was their reaction when you started running and said, you're going to do your first half marathon. If they sort of remember growing up with you, not being hugely involved. I, they just thought I was crazy and they still do a little bit. Just think I'm crazy. Um, my first trail race was a was the cedar breaks at night so it was a half marathon at altitude and they just thought i had lost my ever loving mind but but they're supportive i mean they came for this 50k my kids all came we rented a hunting lodge and they stayed all day long uh, they were able to crew at age at like nine and a half and 21 it was the same it was an out and back so it was the same aid station and they hung there. My youngest daughter has a new baby, two months old, and the whole family hung all day. So they are supportive. They just think it's a little bit crazy. Well, that's fair because it sort of is, right? Like 50K is a long way. But that's so fun because it's such a funny sport to think like, oh, yeah, you're out and you're by yourself in the mountains for so long. But in reality, it can be such a family event, too, and so inclusive in that sense when you get aid stations like that or crewing and they can really see you in it. I mean you probably don't even realize the impact that you're having on them so much. So that's probably just such a cool thing for them to see. It is. Well, and then my son-in-law decided at the last, I mean, maybe a month before the race, I signed up for this back in, I just looked back on my Facebook and I signed up for it back in October of last year. So my son-in-law, maybe a month or two ago, decides, well, he's going to run the 12K. And I thought that was great. We did three training runs together, and those were the only three times he'd ever run more than a mile on a trail before. And this was super technical. And the first four miles were pro some of the most technical of the whole day. And he kept saying, well, I'm, I want to win. And I, I was thinking, well, buddy, you got to be realistic. Like, let's let's set a good goal for you maybe to finish since this is your first time. I got to that aid station and my daughter was laughing. He won it. Oh, my God. <laughs> he went out and won it. And when they asked him at the finish line, how did you train for this? His response was, well, I drank three bottles of water yesterday. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so it, it did end up just really being a family event. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. One of the things that I thought was interesting about your bio too, when you talk about kind of getting into running, um, the same time your dad got into running, but you actually found your dad on Ancestry DNA. So tell us yeah. a bit about that. Yeah, so back in 2018, I did Ancestry DNA. And I told my children, I don't think I will find my birth father, but I may find a much younger relative because I just don't know that people of his generation are doing a lot of this. So I connected with my uncle, who's just a few years older than me, which led to finding my dad. Um, at the time, his wife was terminally ill. And so when I started running, my dad started running too. And he's gotten very active. He's, he's very much a fast twitch runner. So he's gotten active in a running club and we did our first 10K together in Vegas, um, which was just an incredible experience because this is, you know, this is kind of a thing that he and I have together that, that we do. 
And we've since we've done Vegas a couple of times, we've done some local races and just a, a real blessing that that brings us together. Yeah. I was and just going to say that. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do that with the children that he raised because there's a lot of, and I'm going to write a book someday about my ancestry DNA experience, but he, you know, there's a lot of memories I and mean, we have a great relationship now as I do with the whole family, but there's all those years of growing up in memories that I don't have with my dad. So now to be able to create some memories of our own has really meant a lot to me. Yeah, that like you just nailed it on the head. It's so cool to find a way to connect and running really opens up people anyways. So to have a relationship which you want to grow, but as an adult could be somewhat challenging, this just kind of opens up so many doors and and things to do and things to be excited about together and common ground as well as the actual act of running together. So that's really cool. I think that's one of my favorite parts about your story, actually. Yeah, I, lo I love it. I love having that, being able to share that with him. You start doing these races, obviously you're loving it, but a 50K is a pretty big jump and a pretty big goal. So tell us what was going on in your life that made you decide that you were going to do the 50K and had you done a marathon yet? No, no, I never did do a marathon. <laughs> okay, fair. I just skipped that. I, it was actually a podcast that I listened to that they talked about BHAG goals and I happened to be, and I was, I was just thinking about this this morning that I was actually, I was running a trail here in, in Iowa where I work and started listening to that. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, I just turned 49 and I thought I'm going to turn 50 and I need to do something big on my 50th birthday. And that was, that was really the inspiration. My friend Nate ran the Marine Corps Marathon 50K and it was, he's been encouraging all along to, yes, you can do this. And, and so that was, that was how I decided I'm going to do 50K on my 50th birthday. And then I looked for a race. Um, I'm slow. I'm a very slow runner. And so I looked for a race that didn't, this one, everybody had the same cutoff. So whether you were running 12K or 100 miles, you had a 36 hour cutoff. And that was important to me that, I didn't want my first 50K to be a failure because I missed a cutoff. Yeah, that's totally fair. Race selection is an important part of it and to take the stress away so it's still just a fun goal. Right. Now, I did gloss over the part where they kept saying, you know, in a couple places on the race website, they say this is not a good choice for your first ultra because it is very technical. <laughs> I, I just kept skipping that. Like, I'm not going to look at that part of it. But yeah, that was how I chose it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you talked about then getting more of a customized training program. So I want to get into your training a little bit because quite often I have listeners reach out and ask about training kind of in your 40s and approaching your 50s because I think it does have to change a little bit. Just recovery. You even start to notice it as you're approaching 40. So what did your training program look like to when you started? And then we'll kind of get through it as you get closer to your 50K. So generally my training program, and, and you're right, with age, like I need rest days. My body needs those rest days. So I do a run walk and how generally I'm running for 60 seconds, walking for 30. Now, obviously on trail, terrain dictates some of that. So I may have extra walk if I'm going up a steep hill or extra run because I've got a nice 
gentle downhill that I just want to bomb out. But generally it's a, it's 60, 30 or somewhere in there. I never, I try not to walk more than 30 seconds, but I have two 45 minute runs a week. Usually on Tuesdays, I do a tempo run on Thursdays. I do some drills, sometimes hills and things like that. And then the weekend is my long run. And that there'll be some weeks there, it'll be just five miles. And there's some different drills that go along with that, but gradually working up um, to my longest training run before this was 29 miles. Oh, that's, that's super solid. That's a, a lot of people don't even go that close to the full distance. Talking about a little bit of the tempo and the drills. One thing that people kind of assume is, oh, you know, I'm this age. So speed work isn't going to work for me, or it's too hard to recover from, or I'm doing ultra. So I don't need speed work. Can you talk a bit about if your coach let you know why that was added in or how you felt that impacted your training? I think the the impact is that I, I've realized about myself that without a little bit of a push, I will get lazy and not, not go as fast or as far as I can without that nudge. So when I do, when I do my temp, we do a magic mile and I, we do that oh, probably once every four to six weeks. So I, warm up and then run a mile as fast as you can. And you can use, you can do walk intervals even in that magic mile. And that's what's used then to set goal paces. So there's formulas that, that he uses. So when I do my tempo run, it's 10 minutes warm up, and then 10 to 25 minutes. I can do as, as little as 30 minutes. I usually do the full 45, except this week. I'm, I'm a skimping a little this week, but then I do those at, at whatever race pace is prescribed. So for right now, for me, it's a 10, 10 minute, 10 second mile. So I, you do that and then obviously the cool down. But then there's also some cadence drills. Thursdays is usually cadence drills, acceleration gliders, things to help me turn my feet over better and get faster. And I do think that has had a huge impact. So when I first started, I mean, my magic mile is now two minutes faster than when I first started customized training in 2019. Oh, wow. That must be satisfying. It is. It's very satisfying. Uh, yeah, I think that's important. I think you're right. For any age, the trail running ultra type training, it definitely leads to this single pace that can feel a little bit lazy. Um, so just reminding your body that you can go fast and it doesn't have to be a crazy track workout, but I really like the idea of, drills or a mile as fast as you can that still include the run walks. That's, that's a really cool way of doing it. Well, yeah. Well, for me, the walk breaks are important. Uh, I've, I had a, a lengthy illness in 2011. I had disseminated histoplasmosis. And so I've had a lung surgery and I, it's not that I can't breathe, but I don't feel myself breathe on the, the right lung. I don't feel it when it expands. And so sometimes if I get a little bit short of breath, I get panicked and then I get even more short of breath. So the walk breaks really help me a lot with my breathing as well. Just want to take a quick second to thank today's sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by AG1. So AG1 is one of the most important things that I can do for my body on a daily basis because it's something I can actually get done every day that's really easy. So now that school has started and the kids are always in a hurry, packing all their bags for after school, 
I need something that I can do that replaces a multivitamin to give me my daily nutritional foundation because we're in and out the door. We're not eating proper meals the same way we can in the summer. So having something that is super easy to do and actually tastes good is key. So I mix one scoop of AG1 with cold water. I put it in the fridge the night before if I'm doing really good. If not, it takes two seconds to mix in the morning and I just feel like I am starting my day on the right foot, doing something good for my body and giving it all of the nutrition it it craves and needs, especially during cold and flu season. It comes in these awesome little travel packs so you can just throw it in your bag and always have it with you and it's something that you can really stick to day in and day out. Something we don't talk about often enough is the bonus vitamin D as well. So speaking of fall, make sure you're checking out the discount package to get the full one year supply of the vitamin D bottle. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to drinkag1.com backslash TRWP. That's drinkag1.com backslash TRWP to check it out. Today's show is also brought to you by a new sponsor, Currens, which is a natural running supplement made from New Zealand black currants with scientifically proven benefits for better recovery, better performance, GI support in the heat, and special fat me metabolism effects. So I actually learned about currants from a guest we've had on the show, Alyssa Clark, and then continued to do a bit more research and found that there were quite a few really good athletes that struggled with a variety of recovery issues and all found some solutions in currents. So they have just launched in Canada and the US and are used by elite athletes and teams around the world. Currents is the most researched blackcurrant brand in the world with 40 plus independent published studies proving their range of health and fitness benefits with three times fast recover and 49% less muscle soreness, Currens will give your money back if you don't experience the recovery benefits. And it's this 49% less muscle soreness that really is the key for me. As you guys know, I like to lift a lot and do a lot of other things, means that I can get right back at it the next day. So if you go to currensusa.com and use discount code TRW20, you will get 20% off at checkout. That's currensusa.com and I will link to that in the show notes. So before we get into your race, what about the mental side of training? It's quite common to feel excited and then have moments of what have I done? Um, how did you feel mentally leading into this race and how big it was actually going to be? The most difficult part was as the long runs got longer, I have, because of my living situation, I, I'm only home on the weekends. I, I live during the week where I work. And so I'm, I'm home from Friday night to Monday morning. And then as these training runs got longer and I'm spending five or six hours on Saturday running, that was disheartening because it's time away from my family. Mm -hmm. So that part of it was really difficult. Not the run itself. I love to run for six hours. I just, I don't love that it took away family time. And I actually took off for my 29 mile training run. I took the day off work because it was leading into Labor Day and we were all going camping together. And I thought, I do not want to spend Saturday, you know, out by myself running while everybody else is on the boat. So I, I actually took the day off work just to go run. Yeah, I, t I can totally relate to that. That's the only time where I feel like, oh, I don't want to be here. I need to get somewhere else is when you feel like you're missing out on, on family time. That's definitely a hard balance to have. I'm definitely, um, like I said, I'm a compliance officer. And so 
when coach gives me that schedule, I, I follow it. I haven't, I once in a while will move a run around. So I may move my Saturday run to Sunday because of weather or events or whatever. But in the, I think I've been doing customized now three years and I don't think I've missed three training runs. Yeah, I can relate to that also. So it, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Leading into your your trail race, let's go through your race a bit and then kind of those first 50K things that you might have learned. But um, first of all, just talk us through the, the actual race and how it went. So it, it was absolutely incredible that I could not have spent my 50th birthday in a better way. Uh, the race itself was really well organized. So we got around in the morning. My daughter has a new baby and the whole family was there. So it was a morning was a little bit chaotic, which was actually kind of good for me because I wasn't able to just focus on myself. I, you know, I was thinking about a lot of things at once. And um, once that race started, my first few miles just went really, really well. I did fall at mile seven and I'm usually good for a fall or two in any race. And sometimes even in training, um, I, when I did my 29 mile training run, my coach tried to talk me into not doing that on trails only because he didn't want me to get injured right before this race. So I did it on a seven and a half mile loop. That was a trail. Cause I said, I'm not worried this, this trail I'm going to do this on isn't very technical. I'm not worried about getting hurt. And of course I fell in like the first loop um, because that's what I'm good for, but I did not get injured thankfully. So I started this race and there was a pretty, there were 56, 50 K runners that started. So it was a pretty decent sized group. The first four miles, very, very technical. And um, we went through what they call devil's butt crack which is a very narrow set of rocks that I actually at one point had to turn sideways. And I thought, I don't know how bigger people even are getting through this. It's pretty, it was pretty intense. And then fell at mile seven. And normally when I fall, I tuck and roll and jump right back up. And I don't know why, but I just laid there. My leg hurt really bad. I thought I was, thought I was really injured. And prior to that, at like mile six, we'd seen somebody else fall and really bust open a knee. I mean, it, it looked bad. So there was another runner. Her name was Angel, and she definitely turned out to be an angel for me. She basically took me by the arm and said, look, you're not broke. You're not bleeding. You, you need to get up and walk this off. Like, come on, get up. Um, I'm so thankful that she did because my race could have just ended there. So we, I got up and I, I walked a couple of miles after that. I mean, I was, my leg was hurting pretty good and got to the next aid station and she was still at that next aid station. And so Angel and I actually did about the next 20 miles ish together, um, which was great. And I, I look back and I think I, I maybe could have gone faster if I'd gone out on my own. But at the end of the day, I was going to finish at the back of the pack. That's, that is where my skill level is. And that's, that's where I was going to finish. So whether I finished at the back of the pack a little bit quicker or not, wasn't going to matter. Um, we had a very good time. We chatted, we got to know each other and really were able to encourage each other along the way. 
when we ran, our run pace was the same, but her walk pace was slower than what I was used to. So we just logged through the miles together. It was beautiful, beautiful scenery. And it's funny because when I when we drove around the area the night before to find the aid stations and stuff, it really didn't look that impressive. But into the park, in the trail, there was a lot of beautiful limestone bluffs and it was just a gorgeous place to run and lots of shade, which was good because it was hot. That's so fun. I love the connections you make mid race. It's uh, it's one of the best parts, I think. Oh, and I think it's so unique to trail racing. Like I've yes. done several road half marathons and we're not chatting on the road. <laughs> like People no. are just running. We're not there to make friends. So she and I, that was really a, a blessing for me for that entire race. Um, we did part ways at mile 25. She got to where she was getting some spasms in her calf and her hamstring. And instead of just walk breaks, now it was becoming stop breaks. And she she encouraged me to go on and I did. And I ended up finishing about an hour before she did, which is amazing. It was her first 50K as well. So super excited that even under those circumstances, feeling that poorly, she still managed to get across the finish line. Totally, we were also... Yeah. All of us that morning were nervous about the weather because there were storms in the forecast. And in 2019, this race had a tragedy. A 33-year-old man was struck by lightning right before the finish line and died. And so we all knew that if there was lightning, they wouldn't hesitate to pull us off the course. Wow. So that was kind of in the back of people's minds as well, I think. And part of why I wanted to keep moving and, and get through this a before it gets dark, but also before any storms hit. But okay. other than at, after I fell on the left leg, I think I babied my right leg then or babied my left leg then. And then I did have a lot of right knee pain through the rest of the race, um, which has since resolved. I really think it's just a matter of, I was limping along and, and just, aggravated it. It's not actually injured. But otherwise, as far as like hydration and nutrition were absolutely on point. Like I never felt nauseous. I never felt like I didn't have enough fuel in me. And that was, that was pretty big for me to get. That's that. huge because for your first 50 K, that's one thing that's really hard to, to nail right away because quite like you don't get to that same level in training that you're pushing in an actual race. So sometimes you just don't know until you experience it. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Well, I had, we had planned ahead and I had, the kids had a cooler that was just for mom that had a lot of variety in it. So I had the gel that I usually like the best in a soft flask. And I knew I, my very first time I tried to use it, I was, it didn't make me sick. I just was like, I, I don't want this feeling in my mouth. I just knew that that wasn't going to do it for me. I used chews, which I normally don't like, uh, but I've practiced with them and I was glad that I had because that's what I wanted. I liked the chewy for some reason. And Coca-Cola is another big one for me. So when I did, I had a 23 or 26 mile, 23 mile training run that I did with my son. My son-in-law did part of it with me. And I decided, this was probably two months ago, I decided halfway through this run that I wanted Coke. 
I don't normally, I've used Coke at aid stations before, but we just don't, I don't drink pop. I don't keep that in my house. And I turned into Runnerzilla. Like I was texting my husband, like, you've got to, you've got to go get me a Coke and you've got to come find me. And you've got to bring me that Coke right now because I just knew I was going to die if I didn't have that Coke. So we had like, we bought two eight packs, which I'm only going to see the kids twice, right? There's no way I'm drinking two eight packs of 12 ounce Coke bottles, but I liked knowing that it was there. And so, and that worked well for me again, the Coke really, really worked. Um, and then the aid stations were great. They had potatoes and, you know, just good, good hearty fuel. There's nothing better than trail run aid stations. Yes, totally. Absolutely. They are always the best. And then when you get into the even longer stuff and they have all sorts of fancy quesadillas and whatever you can imagine. Um, yeah, Coke is such a magic, a magic pill for sure. So that's awesome that you found that as well. Because again, that's one thing that sometimes takes people years to actually realize like just you're just getting really fast sugars that you can use as fast as they're going into your body. Yeah, yeah. And the aid stations were so... Uh, I want to speak to the aid stations a little bit because they, they just, they, well, like the very first one and the last aid, the first, it's an out and back. So the first last aid station is the Boy Scouts and they were so enthusiastic. And when I came back, of course, the next runner was quite a ways ahead of me. And so the, it, we were really starting to struggle by that point. And I could hear them as I was coming up saying, oh, runner, runner, there's a runner coming, there's a runner coming. They were so excited. And they cheered for me as I came into that aid station as though I was winning this race. Like they were so, it it just warmed my heart. And they were, they were telling me that they're going to be out there all night long. And they were building a fire as I was finishing. It was mile four, so it would be mile four and 20, I can't do the math, 26. And I just thought how neat for these boys that they're and they're not necessarily runners, but this as a service project to them and they were taking it so serious. And there was another aid station that was a cross country team. And again, just that level of support and love that they give is huge. Yeah, aid stations are so unique to trail races and the vibe and the energy. That was one thing after COVID actually, when I thought, you kind of learned that even running on your own was equally as satisfying. And then you get back into that environment and it's such a special feeling that you want to just hold on to for so long after a race. But I mean, it sounds like the nutrition and the hydration and without, other than your fall, the physical aspect was pretty good. You were obviously very well prepared. Um, I always say consistency is key. So if you're not missing workouts, they, no, no workout in itself has to be any magic pill either. It's just doing the work week after week. So your body was totally ready. What about the mental side? Was there any part in the race where you were just in a low? Like, I don't want to do this anymore, or this maybe wasn't the right choice or anything like that? Never. Not one minute. I, wow. And I expected that. I was prepared for that. But at no point did I think I'm not going to finish. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I, and I, I credit some of that to, to Angel and running with her. And that was very much a distraction as well. I didn't have time to get my head and think about how hard this was, but yeah. And I expected mentally to have more low times and my children, my youngest daughter 
was kind of the ringleader for the family. And she, she told me later that she could not believe that second time that they saw me at mile 21. She said, mom, you looked so happy and so strong. And she said, I, she said, I expected by then for you to be a little bit wrecked. So that's, yeah, that was a surprise, but a pleasant surprise. I'll take it. Totally. I'm wondering, and this is not to be like, oh, it's never going to happen like that again, but you wonder if it's like, okay, this one was so special. And I was thinking about this the other day and it feels like you're out there for so long and you're absorbing every second. But as you do more of them, it is more normal. So maybe it's harder for your whole family to show up or you don't get that same kind of sense of this new accomplishment. Um, I wonder if there's a way to hold on to not having lows or that's just part of how it goes as you get more experience. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I've had situations. So this year when I did Dam to Des Moines, I realized that about halfway through, I looked at my watch and I wasn't, I was a little bit off pace, but still had time to turn it around and finish in my goal time. And I just didn't care enough. And I, I didn't, I didn't speed myself up at all. I, I just accepted that I wasn't going to hit my goal and I didn't, regret that. But I, afterwards I thought, well, how interesting that I didn't care enough about this race. And so yeah. I'm trying to be strategic and, and not just sign up for races to sign up for races either, but think about why do I want to do that race? That's such a good point. I think everybody should really listen to that. Yeah. Have, have your why, because I think too, now part of the culture is people sign up for that next big race because they think that's how you're supposed to do it. Um, and if you get to a 50 mile and you don't really want to, you're not going to have a fun day. Um, well, any distance, but I think that's something that happens where to feel defined as a trail runner, people keep adding more when maybe you don't have to. Right. I really, one thing that I, I love a half marathon because I can crank it out and, and I like to travel. We travel a lot so I can do a half marathon, but then still be, still have more day in the, more life in my day, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so we actually, in June, I'm doing the Yellowstone half. And one nice thing about it is that there's a 5K the day before. So we've done a few of these where I will, I won't race the 5K. I'll just hang with my husband and he does just a little bit of running, mostly walking, but he's getting out there and doing it and he loves to be part of it. And so we'll look for more of those because that makes, that's nice for us to be able to do that together. But I have a friend who's been wanting me to do the Florida, the um, Keys 100. And while I know that I eventually want to do a 100 miler, I don't know that I want to do it on the road. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. I have done 100 miles on road and it wasn't wasn't all that nice on your body. It was uh, actually almost scary at the end how painful the cement pounding was. But anyway, so that's a whole other podcast. Uh, so obviously this day went so well. Um, you talked a bit about, you know, I'm off pace for my goal time. What about a goal time going into this race? Did you have a goal? Were you paying attention to it mid-race? How did that look? No, no goals. No goals for this one other than to finish. Um, Perfect. Okay. Ultra sign up, like estimated that I could finish at 9.49. I ended up two hours slower than that. And I was not disappointed at all. 
I have no regrets for, like I say, I made decisions that led to a slower race, but placing wise, I think I was going to be where I was. So I, no regrets there. I knew about halfway through, yep, I'm not, not even going to hit 10 hours. And I was just okay with that. I was absolutely okay with that. That's awesome. That's the way to do it for sure. And then the whole day is enjoyable. So I, obviously I would like to get faster um, and I'm going to continue to work on that uh, because every race isn't this generous with cutoffs. So if I want to continue and I, I hadn't really planned on a lot other than Yellowstone leading up into the future because I just didn't know how I would feel after this race. Like, is it one and done or like I say, I, I loved it. I definitely want to do more. I want to increase distance but it's a matter of balancing that with life and training. Yeah, that that was actually going to be my next question was, does this leave you feeling, I mean, you mentioned Florida Keys 100, that you want to do more and longer. And it sounds like, yes, as long as the balance and the worthwhileness for that specific race, um, or who knows, like there's always ways to shuffle things around, you know, like you can do three moderate back to back to backs where you still have more time in your day and get that same time on feet. So there's definitely ways to do it. Um, which actually then leads me into my next question. If somebody's listening right now, say in their forties or fifties and they want to get into running, but they're feeling nervous, what type of advice do you have for them? I think start slow start slow. The one thing that I see people do, and I've seen it in my family and friends is, okay, I'm going to be a runner. So now I'm immediately going to go out and run five miles as fast as I can and die at the end. <laughs> and that's, that's probably going to lead to you not having a very long running career. Uh, I definitely start slow, start with a little bit at a time, take walk breaks if you need to and like to and take rest days, especially when you're older, your body needs some rest. Yes. Take rest days. That's a f sounds so easy, but it is a hard one when you get into it. What about, uh, just a couple last questions here. What about strength training or cross training? Are you doing anything like that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, so the one thing that I did say to myself several times during my race and and afterwards, and especially the next morning when I was contemplating whether throwing myself over the loft balcony was going to be less painful than going down the stairs, mm -hmm. I, I need to be more consistent in my strength training. I tend, I've started using Sally McRae's app. Um, I had a personal trainer and the problem was we were having, we were having a lot of disconnect issues. Like I need my strength training to complement my running, not compete with it. Yes. And I've had, I, so I, that is high on my goal list is to get more consistent and better with strength training. Because I think, I think had I done the, the level of strength training I should have, I don't think I would have had the knee pain that I had. Yeah, totally. Strength training, foam rolling, stretching, like it is so important. And sometimes we don't see the benefit of it until we see what happens if we don't do it, which is kind of what you're saying, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, huge congrats. It's so fun to like the way our conversation went to get this email months before you were doing it. And it's still kind of this pipe dream and it sounds so 
um, like you're so excited about it that a week after it was, it lived up to everything you wanted it to be and you still feel as excited about it. Um, and that is, that's really special and really cool. So huge congrats on just executing and being able to enjoy it um, for everything that it was. Thank you. Thank you. I get a lot of inspiration from the Trail Running Women podcast. I love to hear people's first time stories. And it's, you know, over the past year, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a first timer. And yeah. it's, it's kind of <laughs> surreal that, yeah, I, I really did do it. So after your race, um, was there any big thing? I mean, it sounds like it went so well. Was there any big thing other than strength training that you learned and you walked away and you're like, okay, that's one thing I can make better? I think strength training and then also I, I can move faster than what I do move sometimes. And I want to make sure that I'm not cheating myself. Like I said, the, the miles that I ran with somebody else are one thing, but even I, I think that I can do better and I want to continue to, to not say, well, I'm, I'm 50. I'm obviously not going to be able to be faster. I can. I, am I ever going to, be fast and win a race. No, I'm, I'm not my son-in-law, but I, I want to just continue to improve and not settle. You know, what's funny is I actually coached and I've been working with her for about five years now. Um, a client who wanted to run a 50 K for her 50th birthday and she has only gotten faster and now she's winning her age group and her last 50 K now she's about 55. Um, she put up a really fast time. Like I want to say she was 11th or something overall. So it's definitely possible. And every year she sort of just surprises herself. So it's been so fun to see that that is entirely possible. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Very inspiring. Yeah, totally. Um, so last couple of questions. I know you have to get off to your meeting here. Um, post 10 hour day, super long race. What is the meal you are most excited for? Oh my goodness. So I came across the finish line and, and I forgot to mention my, my daughter and son-in-law's friends actually showed up too. We weren't expecting them and they showed up. So we were four hours away from home. That was pretty impressive that they drove down. No kidding. I come across the finish line and Justin is a little bit bigger guy, a little bit hairy guy. And he has taken Sharpie and written happy birthday, Tommy on his belly. And he's standing there with his shirt up um, shaking said belly. So as I'm crying, I'm laughing as well. Uh, one of the first things that I wanted was a beer. I like a post run beer. Yeah. So the kids got me a beer and then I wanted Mexican food and I was very excited for Mexican. We went to the restaurant. I got this big, beautiful burrito and I had four bites of it and I couldn't eat anymore. So my post-race meal was such a letdown. I was so excited for it. And, and that wasn't the worst part, though. I brought the burrito home because I thought, well, I can eat this burrito tomorrow because it's so good. And when we were packing up to leave the lodge, my daughter threw my burrito away. Oh, no. And I was, you know, the, the emotions, the hormones, the ups and downs on a normal on a normal day, like a burrito thrown away would have been no big deal because there are more burritos to be had. But I was actually like almost to cry over my burrito. So definitely the Mexican food um, with with the burrito. That is so funny. Like that is just so accurate of the things that will just be the end of your day in that moment, how you're feeling. Oh, that's so funny. I can relate to that so much. 
Yeah. And I had one of those moments the night of the race, too. We went out we for the Mexican. We came back to the lodge and the kids kind of, you know, we're kind of happy birthday partying. I took my shower and my mom texted me and said that she asked what my bib number was because she was trying to look me up on the race results and she couldn't find my name. So like a dummy, I should have just said, I should have just ignored that text because what I did was I looked it up then and realized the people after me were there, but I wasn't there. And again, on a better day when your emotions aren't all over the place, that's not a big deal. You just contact the people and they fix it. Mm -hmm. I was like in tears that, you know, I did all that for nothing. Like it never happened because it's not on this website. Um, and they, they actually like the race, the outlaw 100 fixed it that same night. It was not that big of a deal, but those whole, the, the emotions, I think that was a little bit surprising to me how emotional I was afterwards. Totally. And I think you don't, you're still on kind of a buzz. So you don't maybe realize how fatigued you are too. And you just can't handle things the same. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty common. Last question. If you could describe this particular race in three words, what would they be? Community, beautiful, and intense. Oh, those are great. That sums it up super well. Well, congrats again. It was super fun to hear the kind of excitement and the energy from your voice. And I find that's one of the most inspiring things is it just makes you realize how much this brings to people's life and makes me excited to get back out there. So thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share. If our listeners want to find more of you, is there any Instagram or anything like that? And if there's not, that's totally okay too. I am on Instagram uh, at Tommy Hagan, T-O-M-I-H-A-G-A-N. And also on Facebook, Tommy Hagen. Pretty easy to find. There's not a lot of them. Perfect. And I'll link to your Instagram as well. Sometimes people like to connect to other runners that are in the same area or doing the same race or something like that. So yeah, that's always fun. Well, thank you again. And I can't wait to follow along and see if you do end up doing anything longer. And I, I have a hunch that you will. And I think you have a load of potential. Thank you so much for having me, Hillary. I appreciate it. It's been a blast.